Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. Good morning. Boy, it's good to be under the trees, under the sun, fresh air. Many of you know that a couple weeks ago, the Lord decided to have me walk through the last, last part of my life without part of my finger. Um, the gals in the office are now referring to me as pointless. So let's get that out of the way. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The word of God that we're going to look at at our outdoor service this morning is the parable of the prodigal son. I was going to announce the pew uh, hymn, uh, Bible page number. That wouldn't work here today. Uh, but you have it in your worship folder. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, and then 11 through 32. So follow along as I read those words to you. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. 
But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitute, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The words of our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, through your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to your word this morning. Grant us a renewed and strengthened faith that we might be comforted by your love and be given hope for our future. Empower us to live confidently of being reunited with all your redeemed saints in the life to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure all of you recognize the name Rembrandt, the Dutch artist. Rembrandt was known for his depictions of this parable, the parable of the prodigal son. He did so in woodcuts and in his paintings. An anonymous critic said of Rembrandt, in his early versions of the parable, Rembrandt depicts the younger brother as the main character of the story. He's ready to leave home. He's mounted a magnificent riding horse. He's wearing a feathered hat, cocked at a jaunty angle. He looks much like an old movie version of a swashbuckler, ready for adventure and excitement. The father doesn't even appear in the picture. But toward the end of his life, Rembrandt painted his famous oil rendition of the parable in which the younger brother is kneeling before his father in a posture of humility. Only the young man's back is visible. The painting is focused on the father, a majestic-looking old man with the grace and wisdom of the years on his face. More than that, you see the father's hands, full of forgiveness and compassion as they come to rest on the boy's shoulders. Clearly, Rembrandt came to realize in his last years that the real hero in this story is the father, and that the main point of the story is the father's unconditional love. This may be an unfair question to some of you, but is there anyone here who is willing to raise your hand if you've never heard the story or the parable of the prodigal son before? We've heard about it in church. We read about it in our devotions. Many of us learned it back in school and Sunday school. What may surprise you is that God does not name any of the parables. It's Bible translators who named the parables. And so God did not give this parable the name the prodigal son. And with that having been said, I would like to rename the parable today, that it be the parable of the loving father. 
And I say this for two reasons. Because both the story of the younger rebellious son and the story of the older obedient son highlight the unconditional love of the father. Dad loved both sons. And that's the message you hear, need to hear today. That God's love is not conditional. God's love for you is not based on you, what you've done, what you haven't done, how good you've been, how bad you haven't been. God's love is based on his personality, on his identity. And so God's love is there for all of us, whether we are despicable or dependable. On this day when we celebrate fatherhood, when we say happy Father's Day to those who are fathers, let's marvel at a father who loved both sons. He loved the obvious sinner and he loved the oblivious sinner. Let's focus briefly on the younger son, the obvious sinner. He grew up in what we might call a well-to-do family. Dad was a very successful business owner, and so there were no financial needs. This man and his brother pretty much grew up with everything they needed, and I would think in many cases what they wanted. That's not to say that they were lazy or spoiled. God expected, I'm sorry, the father expected them to work and to work hard. They put in long hours and they learned the family business from top to bottom. There's a popular t-shirt that I have many varieties of that says life is good. And that's how these two boys would have looked at their lives. At the same time, the family business became routine, mundane for this younger son and le left him feeling restless. He knew that when dad died, half the family business would be his. Though he was still a young man, he felt confident in his own abilities and longed for the grass that always seems greener on the other side of the fence. He went to his dad and I believe rather rudely demanded that his half of the inheritance be given to him now. What's surprising is that dad agreed to give it to him. I find surprising right here at the beginning of the story that the father is so full of love and patience. He respects his son's desire to seek adventure, to be independent. Perhaps he knows that this son, more than the other one, needs to learn firsthand, even the hard way, that life consists of more than adventure and excitement. That in many cases, the only way to learn the hard lessons of life is through hardship and pain. And so with incredible love, and incredible patience, and I would think a huge dose of prayer, this dad gives his son what he wants and sends him on his way. Now some time goes by, but in time the younger son begins to spread his wings and sow his wild oats. He goes to what Jesus calls a distant country, and there Jesus says he squandered his wealth 
in wild living. I think that's a bit of an understatement. This man's life begins to spin out of control. If there's a party, he's there. If he wants it, he buys it. If it feels good, he does it. He spends money hand over fist with no thought for the future. He makes all kinds of so-called friends, but when the money is gone, so are the friends. He's caught up in a whirlwind of sin and a sinking spiral of self-destruction. It takes a while, but he loses everything. Money, friends, home, food. He goes to work for a pig farmer, unheard of in Jewish society. And he starts slopping pigs. He's so hungry. The hunger pangs are so strong that he looks at what the pigs are eating enviously and hopes to have just a little bit of their swill. And that's when he realizes he has hit rock bottom. He can't get any farther down than that. If something doesn't change, if he doesn't change, he's going to die of starvation. So he makes a decision. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home and apologize to my dad. I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. And I'm going to ask him to take me back, not as a son, but as a slave a hired servant in his father's employ. He says to himself, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Then there's the other boy, the older brother, the oblivious sinner. He's the good son. He's the one who stays at home working at the family business, which one day will be his. He's the kind of son that every set of parents longs for. He's dependable. He's honorable. He's honest. He works hard. He never misses a day's work. He's what today is called the poster child. But then we read what a modern commentary says about him, and everything changes. Seeing the older son in action upon his brother's return tarnishes the positive picture we might have had of him. He disliked his wayward brother so much that he bitterly resents his return. He complains to his father about being shortchanged for all his faithfulness and chastises his dad for wanting to celebrate the return of that irresponsible scoundrel. Note that he can't even bring himself to call the younger son brother, preferring to sting his father with the words, this son of yours. What lies beneath this man's despicable behavior. It's his resentment of his father's unconditional love. He just cannot fathom how dad could love his unfit and useless brothers. He begrudges his father's rich generosity. He thinks to himself, well, yeah, it's fine that dad loves me. I'm the honorable, the honest, the dependable, the devoted one, but this brother, this son of my father, 
He's made his bed. Now let him live in it. This man doesn't want to share his father's love with anyone. Not even his little brother. Not even after he's come to his senses and repented of his sin. It's right here that we come to grips with both the contrast and the beauty of the father's love. He's the waiting father. The father who's waiting for both of his sons. The father who reaches out to both of them with his love, neither one of whom deserves it. The younger son comes home with a guilty conscience and a heavy heart, and he's swept off his feet by a father's love that's been waiting for him, longing for his return home. The older son is also met by the father's love. Dad doesn't ignore him in the midst of this celebration, but he goes out to him in his pouting, and he assures him that he's always been loved and will never lose his share of the inheritance. My son, he says, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. And so from my left to my right and all the way back, this message is for every single one of us. This parable has a double message. For those of us who, like the younger son, have walked in ways that weren't very godly, who have roamed from God's family, whether it was in body or in spirit, it says to us that we do have a loving Heavenly Father whose forgiveness is unconditional, whose forgetting of our sins is absolute, and who has reconciled us to himself completely in his son, Jesus Christ. That's what defines God's unconditional love. It's God toward us with nothing in us to make him love us. It's what caused God to give us his best, his only, his son, Jesus Christ, who is willing to come and live our life and suffer our suffering and die our death to pay for our sins. This is precisely what the Apostle Paul was getting at in today's second lesson. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus' parable is also for those of us who, like the older son, have stayed at home and faithfully done our duty in the family of God. The ones who have been regular in church and Bible class attendance, the ones who give up their financial offerings, the ones who, for the most part, lead moral and godly lives, who perhaps become a bit judgmental when we see those who don't live such moral and godly lives. 
and then bristle a bit when we see them coming back to the family of God and warmly welcomed by God's people. Jesus urges us to be thankful for the love that we've known and shared all of our lives. A love that desires that the sinful turn from their wicked ways and live, that rejoices over every lost son and daughter who comes back from the distant country of sin and unbelief and is warmly welcomed back into the family of God. It is my contention, and I believe I am going out on a limb when I say this, that how willing we are to rejoice and welcome back into the family of God, our brothers and sisters who have strayed, is a good gauge of how well we appreciate the love that God has shown us in Christ. Fellow recipients of God's love, can you see why Jesus told this parable? Can you see why Jesus has made sure that it was preserved down to our time? It speaks to every one of us. There's no one on the edges. We're all included in Jesus' parable. Our text began with Luke telling us, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. They're the obvious sinners. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They're the oblivious sinners. So Jesus told this parable. Since Jesus' parable reveals the love of the Heavenly Father for both the younger wayward son and the older obedient son, since it addresses all of us as obvious and oblivious sinners. Who of us here today is not included? And with that having been said, don't we all have to just pause and applaud our Heavenly Father for the patient, forgiving, an unconditional love that he has shown every single one of us in Christ. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Praise to God. Amen. Now the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.